Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. FTP, SCP, HTTPS, oh my. File transfer protocols can begin to look a lot like alphabet soup when you first start learning about them. Or even after you've been a developer for quite a while. In this episode, we're going to look at what you need to use when assessing which protocol to use and go over a few of the more common file transfer protocols. But before we get started, Will, what's been transferring your files lately? Uh, I've had... Hey, that was a good one. That was a good one. You got to give it to me. (laughs) Yeah, I've had a lot of interesting stuff happening with Dropbox actually here lately. For some reason, sometimes it just goes into zombie mode on just my Ubuntu laptop. It doesn't do it on the desktop and it won't synchronize files. And so I have to open it back up and restart Dropbox and then it'll it'll go. I don't know what's going on there. There have been some updates here lately that have, they haven't really burned me bad, but there have been little irritants in there. And so it's probably something with that that's just hit Dropbox on that one machine. I don't know. And the thing is, is it'll go away at some point. And I won't have to worry about it. But yeah, so that's what's been transferring my files here lately. I don't really have a whole lot of updates because we're doing a back-to-back recording. So, Oh, yeah. Well, you know me. I've always got more going on than I ever talk about on. Yeah, like the most I could talk about is like my wife's got a new best friend. It's an outdoor squirrel. (laughs) Thankfully, it's outdoor. (laughs) Best friend or, or frenemy? Frenemy. Like it gets out there and barks at her from outside the house. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, and it's only her. <laughs> like it doesn't do it to me. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so funny. Oh my goodness. I don't know why, because normally squirrels hate me, but uh, this one decided that the object of its disaffection is not me. So it's relatively amusing. Like that's the. I just don't have much going on right now. Yeah, for that to be on the the news item. So how about you? <laughs> well, I I haven't been. Uh, battling any squirrels lately, but uh, I am a bit crispy, a bit sunburnt. So the guy who was mowing the lawn before I even moved out here, and uh, then when I bought the house, was just like kept him on because, you know, hey, it was easier. And, you know, I'd lived in an apartment before this, so I didn't have a lawnmower or anything. Told me uh, this past week that he was uh, he wasn't going to be mowing lawns anymore. He's retiring. And I'm like, that's cool. I knew it was coming. I'd hoped it would be another year or two, but I knew it was on its way because we we became friends over the the years I've been here. And so he retired. So I needed to mow my lawn because I had some people over Sunday night, borrowed a push mower and weed eater and uh, got out and mowed my front and about half my backyard. I was just like, you know what? We're not going to go to the deep back my backyard. We're going to sit around the campfire. Just tell people it's an area for wildflowers. Yeah. That's what they do in my home county. But it's like, hey, I just got lazy and didn't clean this. You know, didn't bush hog this. Oh, we're trying to protect wildflowers. We're protecting nature. No, you're not. 
Oh my goodness! You're protecting your fishing time gives a gives a whole <laughs> new meaning to the uh, the Tom Petty song "You Belong Among the Wildflowers." Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway. So I uh, I had a cookout here Sunday evening. Several friends, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. But it was it was good that the lawn was mowed because we were out there sitting around the campfire, pretty late, just chilling and hanging out. But uh, yeah. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I am still a bit crispified. It, uh, eventually, it'll darken up. I, I have an uh, interesting combination of lineage. I have a lot of uh, Scotch-Irish in me, but I also have some Native American. So I get really red, and then I tan. Yeah, that's very familiar. Yeah, yeah. It's a actually a really common thing around where we're from. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Saving money is hard, especially when you have to constantly buy sunburn cream. Because <laughs> you were pale, dude. You're not now. Well, I... Comparatively. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. So, I know I am definitely not pale now. I'm um, lobstery. Yeah, I'm, I'm lobsterish, and then I'll darken up in a little bit. So, Lucas Casadas is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like Complete Developer Podcast, he focuses on helping you to not only establish a real plan, but also to take action so that you can create the life that you want to live. Guys, investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. With the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. And best of all, Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. And what that means is he's not here to sell you a product, but to help guide you to a better financial situation. And you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics that you probably face, and he interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. You can also learn even more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. File transfer protocols provide a standardized method for transferring files between two or more computers or servers over a network. They define the rules and procedures that are used to ensure that files are transferred efficiently and securely. Typically, they involve a client-server model where the client computer initiates the transfer request and the server computer responds by sending or receiving the requested file. During the transfer process, the protocol specifies how the data is formatted, transmitted, and received. In addition to the basic file transfer functionality, many protocols also provide additional features such as authentication, hopefully, encryption, also hopefully, compression, you're going to need it, and error detection and correction, which you're also going to need. These features help to ensure that files are transferred securely and without errors, even over unreliable or unsecured networks. Now, back in the day, let's just say that some of these things were handled in a much softer manner. (laughs) Yeah especially the encryption thing, you know, because originally a lot of stuff went over clear text. You go far enough back. Now, there are several protocols used for file transfer, each with its own advantages and disadvantages. 
Yeah, features like authentication, error detection, and encryption help to ensure that the files are transferred securely and without errors. Different protocols have different strengths and weaknesses. This makes it possible to choose the best one for a particular use case. For example, some protocols lack security features, making them not well suited for transferring sensitive data, whereas others may be slower or more complex to use, which can be a disadvantage for certain applications. Yeah, and I think one other thing too that's probably in the mix is the size of the files that can be transferred because when you start having massive stuff, you have to do things differently just because of server space and memory and everything else. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In this episode, we will start by looking at the important characteristics that you need to take into consideration when choosing a file transfer protocol for a use case that you're facing. Then we will discuss a few of the more common protocols talking about their strengths and weaknesses. So starting off, characteristics. And probably one of the most important ones, the one that we're going to start with at least, is security. Security is a crucial aspect of file transfer protocols, especially when transferring sensitive or confidential data. This is something that you really have to take into consideration when you are looking at what you're using this for. Like, what types of data are you transferring? Like, what is the use case of the data? And like, I mean, are you transferring HIPAA data? Are you transferring PPI? That sort of stuff. Or are you transferring comments to a web forum that are going to be popping up on somebody else's screen? And if you get a man-in-the-middle attack, you can have injection vulnerabilities. Right, because it's not just the security at the endpoint. It's also to go, hey, this person is who they say they are. And this server is who they say they are. That's a big part of a lot of this. So protocols such as SFTP, uh, FTPS, and HTTPS offer secure file transfer options that use encryption to protect data during transit. In the data center, you may also see some other things along these same lines that are not web protocols necessarily. So you may do rsync over SSH, for instance. To, you know, and that's for transferring directories of files more than just single files. Same thing with you know, SCP, which is secure copy. Security measures such as two-factor authentication and SSH keys can also be implemented to further enhance the security of transferring these files, especially over the web when you don't have a secure connection. Yeah, or if it's a really sensitive file, you may have a physical key in some cases too, which is why you and I were talking about the YubiKeys stuff just before this call. And that's one of the things that it can handle. Now, obviously, when you are moving files of any size, one of the other things you got to consider is performance, right? You don't want it to be like it's 1994 and you know, you're trying to transfer a bitmap. <laughs> Or, you know, a pirated MP3 or something. I don't know if those were actually available in 1994. I can't remember. I feel like that was a little bit later when those were widely available. I can't remember exactly. If you in 94, how old was I in 94? I was going to say, because I remember 13. So, yeah, no, that, yeah, you could. Yeah, I just don't know if the MP3 file format even was like widespread at that point. Because I, I mean, because I remember using like Gopher and stuff. But, you know, there was a lot of stuff that was basically anything was slow. That was right around the beginning of the Napster days. Yeah, maybe a little before. 
Because I feel like like 96 and 97 is when that stuff got hot. That's when it was popular, but... That's the thing is I, I look at it and I'm like, when did I get into it versus when did other people get into it? Because a lot of times I'll test stuff out and I'll be the person that tried it before it's, it was cool and before it was stable. And so by the time it's out, I'm over it because I remember the instability, not the value that people got later. Wow, dude. My memory is not the best because that was a long time ago. But uh, yeah, Straight Up Napster came out in 99. Wow. That late, huh? Yeah, I know. I know. I thought it was around in the 90s. Because I remember ripping MP3s in like 1998 at college, freshman year. Yeah, I mean, I was doing that not as much, but... I still have some of those MP3s. (laughs) I think there were other other things we were using back then, but yeah. Yeah, but you, you don't want slow performance, especially when you're moving any data of any size or large numbers of files around. Because it can kind of hurt. So file transfer protocols are going to differ quite a bit in their performance characteristics. Uh, This is things like transfer speed, just raw, and the bandwidth utilization. So typically there is some overhead for the protocol that isn't your file. FTP can be faster than HTTP for large file transfers due to its ability to transfer multiple files simultaneously and its lack of overhead. It seems like it's a little bit less popular as an attack surface. And so there's probably less crap in between you and the endpoint. A lot fewer people use it and even fewer than that understand it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and and the other thing is it's old enough now that just like raw FTP is not a real good idea. I won't even use that inside my house between machines. (laughs) I like to have security even when I don't think I need it. Now, other protocols such as SCP may have lower transfer speeds due to the overhead of encryption. One thing I do remember seeing, I forget which version of HTTP did this, or HTTPS slash TLS, that stuff. Because they added compression at the same time as they changed the encryption algorithms, it ended up being faster as far as throughput. I remember there was a situation like that a couple years back, and I can't remember what what exactly it was in the stack that did that. One thing that is helpful is as the encryption has gotten to be heavier, so has the compression and your internet speed is going up. So it may not hurt as much as long as you're not moving exabytes of data. Uh, Now, some protocols like BitTorrent can utilize peer-to-peer connections to increase transfer speeds and reduce strain on the centralized servers. Right. So I use a tool on my local network called SyncThing, and it will go over BitTorrent. And so like, I can sync to my home network from anywhere in the world using that without like, opening a hole in the firewall because of the way that that stuff you know, gets trackers and all that kind of thing. It's, it's handy. Um, I will tell you that it is heavy as far as the amount of traffic it has to do for the amount of stuff it transfers. And also SyncThing beats the crap out of your hard drive when it scans stuff too. Yeah, yeah, it does. I have had, I have used sync thing in the past. So yeah. So the next thing that, uh, of the three important characteristics that we're talking about, the, the last one is compatibility. And this one is, is last because you, know, you need to be looking at security and performance first 
And then going, all right, now that I know which ones are secure and perform at the level I need, now which one of those is compatible with what I'm doing? It's an important characteristic to consider as different protocols may be supported by like different systems. Like You're not going to likely find one that's supported by all systems and all devices. Unless there's like a USFTP, Universal Secure File Transfer Protocol. I just made that up. Even that won't be universal. Yeah, like when you make a universal standard, you know, like you look at, what was it, uh, XKCD? They had the cartoon that's like, oh, we have 13 standards for this thing. Let's make a universal one. And then like the next panel is, now there's 14 standards. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the reality. But you'll also see things where you have a protocol that looks like it is useful across multiple platforms. But because of the way one vendor does something or one provider does something, it doesn't work. So passive FTP was a great example for this on our web host because it, they didn't support it for quite some time. And FileZilla, you know, by default, was using that. And it broke FTP you know, when I upgraded. I'm like, what in the world? How do you break that? You know? Ah, <laughs> uh, FileZilla. Yeah. Oh, it still works. Yeah. But so you will see those kind of things too. So bear in mind when you see a protocol, like the level at which things are compatible is more granular than the protocol. Just be aware of that when you're poking at this stuff. Just harsh personal experience over and over again. <laughs> yeah. So things like FTP and HTTP are going to be widely supported and they can be used on a variety of platforms and devices, including desktops, mobile devices, and servers. Again, look at more than just the protocol because there are going to be some weird things. It, it's interesting. Like I, I saw a library for like the Arduino for HTTP. Well, I mean, I've used it. I can see the usefulness of that. Yeah. So like low level internet of things all the way up to supercomputers. Most of them can do HTTP. Yeah. At some level. I need to free up some time. Maybe when I get back from Albania this year, just to play around with my Arduino and Raspberry Pis, because I haven't I haven't done any of that stuff in probably a year or two. My Raspberry Pi is <laughs> I am using it as the main DNS server for the house. <laughs> and then the failover is on the NAS because that way I can update the NAS Docker images and not have everything go haywire. I have a stack of Raspberry Pi fours. I bought them before they got hard to find. Yeah, I've got it where it'll sync to the NAS or from the NAS out to the Pi when I do an update. But like the Pi is always on and it's on quicker. So like after a power outage, it'll come up and it sends the wake on land signals to wake everything else up. Okay. So that, you know, everything it auto shuts down when there's a power outage comes back up afterward. That way, if I'm not in the house, I know things are back because I'll get I'll get email messages and everything. It's great. When it works. When it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, coming back to compatibility, some protocols like SFTP and SCP may require specific software or configurations on sending and receiving systems. Right. So like cryptographic keys is a great example. And, and you're going to see this with HTTP and HTTPS with the certificate store and all that stuff too. And compatibility can also be affected by firewall and network settings because certain protocols may be blocked. You may have to do special configurations. You know, it has to go in through this weird high number port 
and it has to be from this machine. You know, those kind of things. You're, you're going to see a lot of that, especially with things that are not HTTPS. Because basically what we did is we said, okay, all these protocols are insecure, so let's block them and then put them on high range ports. But then let's, because of those are such a pain, let's make everything go over HTTP and we're right back where we started with less control and everybody's okay with this, but whatever, you know, that's how we do things. There'll be something, you know, 10 years from now, it'll be different. Oh, it always is. Yeah. It always is. Yeah. I've seen it where you had a, um, for uploading files, you had a public facing API that received the file, processed it, like made sure it was what it said it was. And then that had a whole like, a port in the firewall to get through and only that could get through it to send it on down the pipe to be stored. Well, I mean, I've seen, and it's been a while since I've read anything on this, so it probably still exists, but I find it somewhat horrifying. I don't know if you know what port knocking is. I do not. Okay. So basically you send a request to one or more other ports beforehand in a sequence. And then it basically says, okay, you hit, like this is the combo for the lock. And so now you can use the actual port <laughs> and otherwise you can't. I mean, there were some experiments with stuff like that. I know like back in the late nineties, cause you know, people were trying to figure out how to get around these kind of problems, you know, with file transfers and also with things like SSH. That was the big one because port 22, if you have that open on the, on the internet, you're just gonna get hammered all the time. So now we're going to talk about different ways to get hammered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the open internet. I'll say, and not the fun things that Will and I don't do anymore. Yeah. Because we're old farts. We don't have any fun. Just sit around talking about FTP. Speak for yourself. I mean, I had a lot of fun the other night sitting around a campfire making s'mores. Yeah. Nice. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so uh, some common protocols that you're going to, uh, to run into. And uh, so the first one is the obvious FTP, File Transfer Protocol. It's one of the oldest and most widely used file transfer protocols. Literally, it's in the name. It's the first one. Yeah. It's the first Baptist church of file transfer protocols. It's not the third. So it is a standard protocol that allows transferring files between client and server over a network. And it does have some other stuff as far as being able to tell if the file is there and if it's changed and those kind of things too. So you can do some optimizations. Uh, but it was built for the old, old internet, which means it's going to help you as far as performance now in a lot of cases. FTP is reliable, but not secure because basically it transfers files in plain text. Again, it was built for the old internet where there was a lot of trust. Yeah, speak friend and enter. You know, it's the Minds of Moria protocol. (laughs) See how that turned out. But now your transport channel can be encrypted, right? You could put it over something else that is encrypted. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily a sign that things are completely insecure if you're using that protocol. It's just like, hey, how's that being transported? Right. And again, you don't always have to secure everything depending on what you're sending. I mean, you should... Like endpoint to endpoint in your house, for instance. I don't have to, but I always choose to. My personal thing is, is I worry that if I 
get too used to doing things in an unsecure manner, then I'm going to do it sometime. It's like training knife disarms. If you always hand the knife back to the other guy, guess what's going to happen in a street fight? (laughs) And and so that's my thought process on that. So I'm a little bit more paranoid about my own tendencies there. And I remember having to do like sets of push-ups. I know that's a sore point. (laughs) The whole group had to do push-ups because one person handed the knife back. Uh Uh-huh. And the thing is, we had to do that like 10 or 15 times and it wasn't the same person because once you did it, you didn't do it again, but everybody did it once and the whole group suffered. Yep. Oh, I remember that. And you don't want to be in that place in security because it's exactly the same problem. Yeah. But the solution isn't, you know, doing pushups. No, it's totally whining. That's, that's how one dude got out of it, right? Yeah, yeah, that is true. Now, FTP is suitable for transferring files in large batches, but not ideal for real-time streaming or interactive applications, really. Yeah, it's like I've got a bunch of crap that has to go from point A to point B, right? It is the semi-truck of file movement, essentially. Right. It can handle a large load, but it's going to move it slowly. Yeah, well, or it's you're just not going to have the granularity that you necessarily want in a lot of cases. It is really commonly used in web development, software distribution, some data backups use it as well. Like for instance, if you had the raw data that is in Wikipedia and you are backing that up somewhere, this is reasonable. If that data is all publicly accessible, you don't care necessarily that it's encrypted. Although I would think you would care to make sure that it is what you think it is. When it gets the other end. That's true. So speaking of uh, encryption and security, the next protocol is the SFTP. So the Secure File Transfer Protocol. And this is an extension of the SSH or Secure Shell and encrypts file transfers over a network. Yeah, and this is the way a lot of your secure stuff is going to be done. Just simply because when you are writing something to transfer files, that is enough of a headache, especially dealing with like the low level TCP IP stuff that's going on there. You probably don't want all the encryption crap in the mix with you. So you use a communication channel that already handles that. So you're streaming it over this other channel and it is really secure and reliable and it is suitable for transferring sensitive or confidential data provided that the rest of your infrastructure is same. SFTP requires authentication and authorization and can use public key cryptography for added security. And you know and, the other thing too is you can also encrypt the files that you are moving over that before you ship them with a different scheme. And you know I've I've worked in situations that were actually sensitive enough where they did that with millions of social security numbers and those kind of things. I can think of several circumstances where that would be important. Have we done an episode on cryptography? I feel like we did like an overview. Yeah, we need to probably do some more on it. Yeah. Maybe get someone on who is a little bit more of an expert than you and I are, because that can get complex. And one thing too, with all these protocols, right? If you are transferring sensitive data, you do not want it unencrypted at rest on the endpoint system either. So it's not just your encryption over a transport channel. It's like, hey, that file needs to be encrypted 
am I going to have the server encrypting it when it writes it? Or am I going to be just dumping it on the file system? Because if I'm just dumping it, it needs to be encrypted going over the channel and be in an encrypted format when it gets to the disk. Now, SFTP is slower than FTP because of the encryption overhead, but it's still suitable for batch transfers. Honestly, unless you're transferring something huge in a modern situation where you have to transfer something huge, it's kind of limited as far as when you're going to run into this. Like, because if it's big enough chunks of data, it's probably within a data center. It's probably not going from some small town in Mississippi to New York City, right? Because the town doesn't have that much data. Any place that's got enough data has got wires for it. Now, 20 years ago, that was a little bit of a different thing. That's true. SFTP is commonly used in web hosting, cloud computing, and data center operations. So the next one is SCP. This is secure copy. This is like the CP command on Linux. You know, it's a copy mm-hmm. command. Just It's a command line u- utility for securely copying files between remote hosts. So if you're remoting in or like SSH. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and the thing about this is, is it'll use SSH as the transport channel. So you don't have to open an SSH session and then do SCP. You just do SCP and it knows the keys and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, bear in mind, this is for people that are in and out of systems all day. And the security features are pretty similar to SFTP. So you're going to have the authentication and authorization with that. But it will be faster than SFTP because it uses a more efficient algorithm for copying files. Because you know, SFTP has got the baggage and overhead of that older protocol that it was built for a different purpose, potentially, than what you're going to see with SCP. SCP is suitable for copying files between servers, but not really ideal for interactive use or for file sharing. It's more of a behind-the-scenes server-to-server kind of thing so yeah and it's commonly used in system administration and backup operations yeah so this is where you're going to see more of your backup data being transferred sysadmins running this that sort of thing Uh, more your operations side than using it for development so the last one we're going to talk about is http or https hypertext transfer protocol secure little s there and it's a protocol for transferring files over the internet using a web browser yeah and it is going to use encryption and authentication for securing the file transfers like that's even if you're not signing into something there is some kind of off happening in these scenarios if nothing else that you know that the server you're contacting is who you think it is there's definitely a handshake going on and a back and forth to make sure Who's who is uh, is the right thing, I guess. Best way of putting that. I'm trying to think of like the the right wording for that, and it's just not coming out. (laughs) Now, HTTPS is suitable for transferring small files or real-time streaming media. Right. Also over HTTP, there are some other things, like other ways that files get moved, you know, as far as like posting forms and those kind of things. We'll point that out. A lot of times that is what you're dealing with, not this. This is just for the purposes of files, not for HTTP shenanigans necessarily. Yeah, the real-time streaming of media, you know, that's uh, pretty useful. It is going to be slower than FTP or SFTP, but it is widely available and easy to use. 
it's a different niche. Right. Right. I mean, it's more, whereas FTP, SFTP are more for like moving larger files and like groups of files. HTTPS is for the smaller files. And again, like that real time streaming where it's, you're sending a lot of small packets. Right. And it's commonly used in web applications, online file sharing, and cloud services. And obviously, streaming media, those sorts of things too. Right. So guys, file transfer protocols are essential for transferring files over networks, whether for personal or business purposes. They provide a reliable, standardized way to transfer files that is widely used across a variety of industries and applications. Now, this is just an overview of the more common protocols available, but use this information about them and about the important characteristics the next time you need to make a decision about which protocol to use in a particular use case. That's pretty much all we got. We will catch you guys next week. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash completedeveloperpodcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.